and welcome to AJC's Passport, a weekly podcast where we examine political events, the people driving them, and what it all means for the Jewish community. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. For years, the Pew Research Center has asked Americans a simple-sounding question. In the dispute between Israel and the Palestinians, which side do you sympathize more with? And for years, in fact, for decades, the consensus in American politics has favored Israel. In today's era of heightened partisanship, however, few consensus issues remain. In recent years, as Democrats and Republicans have diverged sharply on issues both foreign and domestic, the bipartisan support for Israel that Jewish advocates have long prided ourselves on maintaining has suffered. In 2016, 43% of Democrats responded that they sympathized more with Israel than with the Palestinians. Today, as President Trump embraces Israel, only 27% of Democrats choose Israel's side, while Republicans' sympathy for the Israeli side of the conflict continues undimmed. Our first guest is Tamara Kaufman-Wittes, a senior fellow in the Center for Middle East Policy at the Brookings Institution, who served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Near Eastern Affairs during the Obama administration. Tamara, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. You recently co-authored a piece in The Atlantic with Dan Shapiro, who served as U.S. Ambassador to Israel in the Obama administration, in which the two of you questioned the methodology and the findings and perhaps the packaging of this Pew survey. What objections did the two of you have to the study? Sure. So, look, I think um, the Pew Research Center has been asking this question over a lot of years. And so they like to be able to track the time series. And so they're very unlikely to change the way this question is worded. But I have always found it problematic because it presents the people who are being polled with a dichotomous kind of zero-sum way of expressing their views about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It asks, in the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians, whom do you sympathize with more? (laughs) So you have to choose. Now, you could volunteer an answer of neither side or both sides, but those answers aren't offered to you by the pollster. And so the result is that you get a very polarized picture that may not, in fact, present the reality of Americans' attitudes toward Israel or toward the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And you can see when other pollsters ask questions about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that are worded differently, you see very different results. So, for example, if you ask Americans what's your preferred outcome to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? You have a plurality supporting two states. If you ask Americans, do you want the U.S. government to lean toward Israel, to lean toward the Palestinians, or to lean toward neither side? A large majority says lean toward neither side. So are these findings worthless, or can they still tell us something valuable as long as they're tempered with your counterargument? This poll finding is worthless. I think that it needs to be put in context. And, you know, even the Pew Research Center asks other questions about attitudes toward U.S. Middle East policy, toward Israel, toward the Israeli Palestinian conflict. But for some reason, 
they didn't release those other poll results along with this question. And I think the reason is because this the results on this question look so dramatic that it generates a lot of news. Oh, look, the gap between Republicans and Democrats is wider than it's ever been. But I think it's true that there is a gap. I think the question is, where does that gap come from? What does it tell us about underlying American attitudes toward the conflict? And the other big issue is that a lot of people have interpreted this poll as having something to say about American attitudes toward Israel. And that's just wrong. The question's not about Israel. It's about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. That's a great point. Tamara, if we could dive into those numbers a little bit more, flawed as they may be, in my day job when I'm not hosting the AJC Passport podcast, I'm AJC's director of campus affairs. So I was drawn to the Pew graph that breaks the responses down by age group. And one thing that I noticed is that while Americans in general are 30 points more likely to sympathize with Israelis than with Palestinians, among Americans aged 18 to 29, my cohort, in other words, that lead, if you will, shrinks to just nine points. So still above water, but not looking great. So Is this cause for concern or is it too just reflective of that false dichotomy, of that erroneous conflation of Israel and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Well, so the social scientist in me has to answer, we don't know. (laughs) Um, We don't know whether the difference we see in age cohorts here is because Um, those younger people are growing up with a different experience of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and that that will shape their attitudes throughout their lives, or whether young people in general tend to have a different view of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but that as they age, their attitudes tend to shift. So based on this one poll result, I can't answer the question. I would have to go back and look at the age breakdown Um, in earlier years of this poll to see whether the younger cohort has always had a different attitude than older Americans. Well, so what if we turn from age demographics to party affiliation? Democrats, after all, have developed a major allergy to President Trump and in many respects have become the party of all things not Trump. The president has Israel in this bear hug, and he's getting that love reciprocated by Prime Minister Netanyahu. Is that a recipe for disaster among Democrats? I certainly think it is a recipe for increased politicization of the U.S.-Israel relationship, both here in the United States and in Israel. And that's, that's something that is new. I agree. It's actually something that Dan Shapiro and I talk about in our article as a troubling development, because we are in an era of extremely high partisan polarization on every single issue. And so if President Trump says go left, Democrats will say go right. And if Democrats say go left, you know, Republicans will say go right. Um, In fact, that polarization is visible in other democracies as well. Increasingly in Israel, you have poll findings suggesting stronger polarization. And so on the one hand, a politician might have greater incentive 
to use an issue as a way of mobilizing their base or making a point about their opposition. And I think that that's what Netanyahu and Trump have both done with the bilateral relationship. There are strong political reasons why that's useful for them. But over the longer term, that exacerbates polarization and it makes the issue of Israel a political football in the United States in a way that is not good for the U.S.-Israel relationship long term. Similarly, when, you know, the Israeli defense minister called the last U.S. secretary of state messianic, he was doing that for his own domestic political reasons in Israel. It worked for him in the short term. But in the long term, is it good for Israelis to think that the American Secretary of State is on a messianic quest and not thinking about their interests? No, of course, that's not good for the relationship. And what role has Israel, Israelis, Israeli leaders, what role have have they played in shaping these attitudes in America? You know, one of the reasons why I really wanted to write this article is because I worry that um, the impact of this Pew Research Center poll question over the years has been to create an impression among some in Israel, and I've heard this across the political spectrum, that maybe Democrats in the United States aren't reliable friends and that Israel has to pin its future in the U.S.-Israel relationship on the Republican Party. And so Israelis should just write off Democrats. And I don't think that's what the data shows. And I also think that partisan uh, commitment to Israel in the United States is a bad idea for the U.S.-Israel relationship. So a number of Israeli politicians may have mistakenly come to that conclusion and behaved on that basis over the last few years. I think, for example, you know, setting aside Prime Minister Netanyahu's personal friendship with Mitt Romney, Netanyahu's clear preference in the 2012 presidential election left some sore spots among American Democrats. Likewise, his decision to kind of go around the Obama White House and work with the Republican leadership in Congress to oppose the Iran nuclear deal before the deal was even concluded, and then to engage in a really heavy-handed lobbying campaign that put congressional Democrats in the position of feeling like they had to choose between their support for Israel and their support for President Obama. These are things that I think did really exacerbate a partisan divide Maybe not at the level of public attitudes, but at the level of political elites and politicians and policy officials. And it left a bitter aftertaste, I think, both in Jerusalem and in Washington. I think that can be overcome, but I think that the leaderships on both sides have to want to overcome it. You offer advice in your piece for Democrats whom you say need to educate their fellow Democrats about why Israel is important to the U.S. and and in the world, you suggest that Israeli leaders need to expunge any myopia and work to curry American support from wider swaths of our population. My question is, what about us? AJC is a 501c3 organization where nonpartisan Americans who love Israel. What can we advocates do to ensure the long-term health of the U.S.-Israel relationship? Sure. So, look, I I think it is important to look at some of the deeper public opinion data that's available that helps us understand that the partisan divides 
in American attitudes on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict really go to some of the core constituencies in the Democratic Party and in the Republican Party and their attitudes. And so we need to understand that it's the fact that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not just unresolved, but stagnated so that there's no negotiating process that people across the political spectrum can support, that what Americans see about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is conflict, not efforts at conflict resolution. They don't see leaders getting together and shaking hands and sitting around a table. They see protests. They see violence. And that is going to tend to create a reaction. But the U.S.-Israel relationship is so much broader than U.S. policy toward the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it is rooted, and there is data on this, in shared values, in shared democratic values, in the fact that we are both countries with strong culture of immigrants and integration and civic values at the heart of citizenship. So I think that it's important to go back to that fundamental basis of the relationship to reinforce that. Again, across the political spectrum, there is support for that. And also to reinforce all the dimensions of the practical day-to-day relationship that benefit both sides, whether it's intelligence cooperation, innovation in science and technology, All the economic cooperation, the Israeli companies that are listed on NASDAQ, I think that there are so many ways in which Americans and Israelis engage with one another in the day-to-day, but that may not be at the top of the headlines. That may not be the first thing Americans think about when they think about Israel. Well, Tamara, this is a milestone for me because this is my first time interviewing someone who has a podcast of her own. <laughs> let me let me just say how much I enjoy listening to Rational Security and how much I've enjoyed having you on the AJC Passport. Thank you so much for your insights and your time. We hope to have you on again soon. Thank you so much, and thanks for listening to Rational Security. Our next guest is Dr. Stephen Baim, director of AJC's Contemporary Jewish Life Department. Steve, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Sefi. We just heard from Tamara Kaufman-Wittes on attitudes toward Israel and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict among the general American population. I'd like for us to focus now on the attitudes in the American Jewish community specifically. Tamara and I discussed shifts in American sympathies in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The issue is much closer to home for many American Jews who may have religious, cultural, familial ties to Israel. Is there evidence of a similar growing divide among Jews? If the question is posed the way the recent Pew survey posed it, of whom do you favor more, the Israelis or the Palestinians, Without question, American Jews are far more inclined to favor Israel for the reasons you mentioned. They have much stronger ties and affinity with Israel. So if the question is posed that bluntly, I don't think you're going to see that kind of divide. What's fair to say is that you will see some distancing from Israel and Israeli policies towards the conflict rather than taking the side of the Palestinians. What I'm really saying is that I detect very little anti-Israeli hostility 
within the American Jewish population. You will see some indifference. You'll see a great deal of ignorance because people don't know very much about it. But uh, by and large, the sympathies of American Jews are far more with Israel than with the Palestinians. But again, that takes a very narrow focus upon the conflict. If you ask the attitudes towards Israel generally, you're going to get much more divergence. Steve, you mentioned differences between American Jewish opinion and Israeli policies. What are some examples of places where American Jews are almost devout in their support for Israel? And what are some instances where support wanes? The legitimacy of Israel as a Jewish state is a consensus position among American Jews, except perhaps on the far left. There are serious differences of opinion regarding uh, Israel's settlement policies. Basically, American Jewish opinion is fundamentally split with respect to settlements. Again, there's an exception within the Orthodox community where there is a pro-settlement consensus. Those who oppose the settlement policy are asking questions about, number one, does Israel really need West Bank settlements? Do new settlements need to be planted? Number two, does every settlement push Israel one step further away from where she needs to be in terms of a two-state solution? As far as uh, the other set of issues, they primarily pertain to uh, the Orthodox monopoly over matters of personal status, the absence of or the perceived absence of recognition for the conservative reform movements that represent the mass bulk of American Jews. Israel, in effect, is becoming, without question, a more conservative state. American Jews maintain a primarily liberal consensus. So in that respect, my concern in terms of israel diaspora relations is that we have the world's two largest Jewish communities drifting further apart. The Trump administration and the particular relationship with Netanyahu is a symbol, it's an illustration of how far apart the attitudes and values are going. Trump remains a popular figure in Israel. For American Jews, uh, Trump represents pretty much uh, what American Jews don't want to see in the Oval Office. Tell us a bit about partisanship in the Jewish community. Are Jews generally aligned with the Republican Party as a result of the right-wing strong support for Israel? Look, the historical pattern has been very clear, really going back to 1948. Jews are likely to vote for the Democratic Party. In terms of Israel, they will vote for the more liberal candidate, provided that candidate is not hostile to Israel. In the current context, bear in mind that there is a great deal of hostility to President Trump. And his romance with, uh, with Bibi Netanyahu, or bromance as the, as the language is often <laughs> used, that relationship is deeply alienating for many American Jews who have a, a fundamental distaste uh, in terms of the Trump administration and who Trump is as a presidential figure. So in that sense, the allegiance to the Democratic Party is even stronger today because of an 80 percent disapproval rating for Trump among American Jews generally. There is an orthodox exceptionalism. In terms of the Orthodox community, as it happens, Hillary Clinton actually captured a majority of the vote. I think it was like 54 percent of Orthodox Jews voted for Hillary. But the pattern, first of all, has been that Orthodox Jews have voted Republican pretty much in every election since, I would say, 1980. What's surprising in that sense is that even there, Hillary Clinton got a majority of the vote, which says that his taste for Trump as an individual was very great. You talk about the breakdown of support for Israel along denominational lines here in America. But what about among different age cohorts? Well, there is some dispute over the figures, and there are two different schools of thought. To my mind, without question, younger Jews are growing increasingly more distant from Israel. Now, this is true in a variety of different perspectives. Number one is that uh, only about a third 
according to the Pew study of 2013, only about a third see Israel as essential to their Jewish identity. There was a study by my colleague Stephen Cohen and Ari Kelman back in 2007, 10 years ago, which asked conservative reform Jews under age 35, would you consider the destruction of Israel to be a personal tragedy? Less than half said it would, 49%. You ask the same question, say, of uh, Jewish communal activists, board members of, uh, of federations, people of my generation, the answer would be 99.9% would say it's a personal tragedy. So in this respect, and perhaps most tellingly, Jews over age 50, people of my generation, 95% believe that America has been either supportive of Israel sufficiently or not supportive of Israel sufficiently. Among Jews under age 30, 25% feel that America has been too supportive of Israel. So that the distancing of young Jews from Israel, I think, is clear-cut, even though, again, some of the data is disputed. Most important to me is, is really this issue of assimilation, though, namely that assimilation takes its toll, and among younger Jews, it's greater. The implication is the more distant you are from matters Jewish, by definition, the more distant you're going to be from Israel. So in that respect, we're talking about a generational divide. Now, when I say the data is, is disputed, my colleagues at Brandeis, some of my colleagues at Brandeis, not all of them, they argue it's simply a matter of aging, that as they get older, they'll be as attached to Israel as the current generation is. To me, that's a leap of faith. Yeah, I just want to hit on that point a bit more. I think the implication is that young Jews don't have as strong of a Jewish identity as a result of assimilation, and therefore they are not connected to Israel to the same degree that an older generation has been. I think that there are young Jews, however, who would argue that because of the strength of their Jewish identity, that fuels some of their objections to Israeli policies. What would you say to them? Essentially, first of all, I respect the right of dissent. And if the dissent is coming out of love and attachment, I'll take it very, very seriously. What I'm concerned primarily is about indifference more than I am hostility. The indifference is growing, and that's really where assimilation takes its toll. Assimilation doesn't translate into bitter criticism of Israeli policy. Strong criticism is often coming from the most committed of Jewish young people. But the indifference is coming from those who don't care. I think it's somewhat fatuous for us to pretend that assimilation either doesn't exist or doesn't exact the price. So what is your prescription, Steve? How do we counter that indifference among American Jews? Uh, Professor Tal Becker of the Hartman Institute, who's been an advisor also to the Israeli foreign ministry, he's addressed AJC on a good number of occasions. And uh, I was with him on a, on a project interchange trip a number of years ago of university presidents. He made what I thought was a very profound comment. He argued that Israel needs less in the way of talking points and more in the way of character witnesses. Now, what does that translate as? It means that oftentimes the Jewish establishment, we spend a great deal of time trying to counter the latest canard of the week. That's not going to make a dent in American Jewish public opinion, especially among young people who don't want more sloganeering. What is in question is do we need better Israel education? Fourteen years ago, together with Brandeis University, we launched a program to train faculty around the world to teach courses on modern Israel. Now, over a period of 14 years, we've trained 250 faculty at over 200 universities. But I think it's a fair statement here that it's, there's faith in education. If you give Israel a fair shake in terms of understanding where she's coming from, her history, her background, the context, you will get greater at least understanding of Israel, if not greater empathy and sympathy. A better educated citizen, a better educated Jew, 
ultimately be more committed, more attached to Israel. The more propaganda we feed, the less commitments we'll get. The more education there is, yeah, that's my prescription for a stronger attachment to Israel. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to having you on again soon. My pleasure, Steffi. Thanks. You can subscribe to AJC's Passport on iTunes or on Stitcher, or follow us on SoundCloud. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it and write a review to help more listeners find us. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. This episode is brought to you by AJC, the American Jewish Committee. Our producer is Alex Zeldin. Our sound engineer is Scott Reitherman. Tune in next week for another episode of AJC's Passport.